The rapture, marriage supper of the Lamb, second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon, Satan's kingdom versus God's kingdom, the elements melting with a fervent heat, new heavens and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and much more are all prophesied to occur in the very near future. And we will provide the biblical understanding of these events on the next few editions of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. Now, we're going to get deep into Revelation chapter 21 and 22. But before we do, I've got to mention our new Understanding the End Time DVD series that's coming out. You can pre-order that now. It's now available. This is the one that all of the pastors and Bible study teachers and evangelists, missionaries have been begging us for. And so we finally got the project done. It's wrapping up and, it, you know, understanding the end time, it's the, it's, the, it's the 14 major prophecies of the Bible explained in great detail. And it's the updated version of what we've taught for years now. It's me teaching the lessons. I bring on Irvin Baxter uh, and we actually teach the lessons together. He gives all of his miracles and the way God showed him these prophecies and while I teach the lesson, and it's very neat. We've had rave reviews over it for everybody that has watched it. So, if you'd like to pre-order that, it's going to be shipped in June. That's the goal. You can go to endtime.com ABC or call 1-800-END-TIME to pre-order today. And you can get over $350 in bonus items. And one of those will be a VIP call now, they're calling it a VIP call, but I'd just say a video call with me. We'll have a great time. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, it'd just be a, 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 when we can get together, you can ask questions. We'll banter back and forth about things going on. And it's, it's really a lot of fun doing those types of things. I've done them before. And so call in, pre-order, or go to endtime.com slash ABC and pre-order yours today. Be one of the first ones to get that new Understand the End Time uh, video series that's coming out. It's really cool. It's all up to date and I think you'll love it. Okay, let's get off into this study of Revelation uh, chapter 21 and 22. Now, on our last, uh, last few editions of this, we went through Revelation uh, chapter 19 and chapter 20. But how does it all culminate? Well, to start off, I mean, you may be a Bible teacher, a pastor, or just someone who loves the Bible and is seeking a better understanding about some of the more complex prophecies in Scripture. I know a lot of pastors that won't even touch the book of Revelation because they just don't have a clue where to start. Well, let's, let's just give a brief review of the last few episodes concerning a comprehensive understanding of Revelation 19 through 22. In those couple episodes, we discussed the marriage of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the rapture, the, the supper of the great God at the battle of Armageddon, when the angels will call the, the fowls of the air and the beast of the field to feast on the kings, captains, and mighty men, the Antichrist and the false prophet and their 
uh, judgment at the time of the Battle of Armageddon will then be cast into the lake of fire, the, 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 the simultaneous harvest, and uh, Satan's bound for a thousand years, the 1,000 year millennial reign, the establishment of kingdom of God on the earth, who will populate the earth during the 1,000 years, of course the millennium, Satan is loosed at the end of the millennium, and that's when he deceives the nations to come back down to Jerusalem to battle again, but there's no battle. Those nations are simply consumed with a fire from heaven. And then, of course, the earth is prepared for the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation 20:15, it states, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life at the great white throne, they were cast into the lake of fire. All of us must ask this question. What must we do to have our names included in the Lamb's Book of Life? There is not a more important question in your life. I can't give you a better stock tip. I can't give you a better lead on a piece of real estate or some way to, to secretly make it through the Great Tribulation. There's nothing more important than having your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If your name is found in the Book of Life, you're going to live forever with the Lord in eternal bliss. If our name is not in the book of life, the scripture declares that we will be cast into the lake of fire. There is only two eternal existence. Life with Jesus Christ in heaven or an eternal hell. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, well, how do I get my name in the Lamb's book of life? Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, except a man is born again, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. Now, for a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation, being born again, you can call 1-800-363-8463 or ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or you can visit endtime.com reborn and it will give you a very detailed um, definition of the born-again experience with all of the scriptures and everything that's entailed in that. You've got to have your name in the Lamb's Book of Life at the Great White Throne. So this is the end of Revelation chapter 20. So we're going to move into Revelation chapter 21. And it brings us to the New Jerusalem. And who will dwell there? There are two cities of Jerusalem. Did you know that? The physical city of Jerusalem is located over in the land of Israel. I'll be there in just a few weeks. The spiritual city of Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. So let's discuss the, this new Jerusalem. Revelation 19 and 20 and chapter 21 verse 1 foretells the marriage supper of the Lamb, the second coming of Jesus, the battle of Armageddon, the defeat of the Antichrist, the binding of Satan in the bottomless pit, the new heaven, and the new earth. The 1,000 year reign of Jesus and the great white throne judgment. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, this is very important. Some have claimed and do claim that there will be a brand new earth and a brand new heaven that are created. However, 
Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, it says it this way. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So that is why it is very important that you have to look at every verse pertaining to a particular topic in Scripture when you're trying to figure out these prophecies and what they really mean. So when we get back from this break here, we're going to go into John's vision in Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to go into the New Jerusalem. What is that? It may be something, uh, we may teach you some things you never knew before, but wow, what an awesome revelation it is. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com events for more information. John is given a vision of the New Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. It says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her, her husband. Now, I want you to listen to the terminologies here, because a lot of people believe that this is a physical city that will come down. But we're going to see something different than that as we go through here. So immediately we are told the New Jerusalem is the bride. Hebrews 12, 22 through 23 confirms the church is the bride of Christ. It says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable, innumerable country, company of angels, 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, this scripture is simply explaining in no uncertain terms that the heavenly Jerusalem is the church. And this tells us there are two Jerusalems, the physical Jerusalem in the land of Israel and the spiritual Jerusalem that is the church. Another scripture confirming the church is the bride of Christ is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. It says, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, um, from the beginning, God's purpose behind the creation of mankind was to create a bride for Himself that could live with Him forever. And as we reach the end of the Holy Scriptures in the book of Revelation, God devotes the entire chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 21, to describe His ultimate prize, which is the church. Throughout the book of Revelation, God reveals the information He wants us to know in symbols. This prophecy about His bride is no difference. A lot of this is written in symbolism. So, the church is the tabernacle of God. Now, let, let me get out there and prove all these points. So, in, in Revelation chapter 21, God uh, goes to great lengths to describe His bride, the church, in much detail. But remember, it's in symbolism. He calls the church the tabernacle of God in Revelation 20, verse 3 through 4. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So this passage reveals how things will be for those who have been raptured and make up the tabernacle of God. There will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no crying. The tabernacle of God is where God dwells. Now remember, we're describing the church here. Keep this in mind. The Apostle Paul explains our bodies are the temple of God in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. The Apostle Paul said what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Now, you know the Bible says that God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Again, we're referencing the church here. God is giving, He's going to great lengths to give a very detailed description of the church, but you've got to understand the symbolism, and I'm hoping to help you with that today. In the great sermon preached by the first martyr, Stephen, just before he was stoned, he said, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. That's uh, Acts 7.48. This is so important to understand, since humans have such tendency to exalt 
temples. Look at some of the temples and the mosque and different things, uh, church buildings, holy places around the world. But God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands anymore. God dwells in human beings when they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there came a time when it will be done. As John was receiving his vision, he saw one sitting on the throne in Revelation 21, verses 5 through 6. And the Bible says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now remember, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah said, The former ones would not even be remembered. It's going to be a, the great reset of the world. Is what, it's going to be like kind of after the flood when there was a great reset. And John says, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So, the one sitting on the throne said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, we know this is Jesus speaking because back in Revelation 1.8, He said He was Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In Revelation 21.6, Jesus said, It is done. And He's saying that His purpose, all the way from the beginning of creation, was fulfilled and now... He has His bride. So, and, and she is now redeemed, and His marriage to His bride is accomplished. Just before Jesus proceeded to give a more complete description of His bride, He paused to encourage all to be a part of His bride and to warn those who would choose to follow the path of damnation. This is recorded in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the, the uh, abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, lying is becoming a very common thing in our society today, isn't it? But the liars are not getting by with the lies that they're telling. There will come a time when they will be judged for that. And the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So I, I want to know the truth. I want to tell the truth, don't you? I don't want to teach a false doctrine. I don't want to teach uh, false things concerning news stories and uh, the things that are going on in society. I, I, I want to tell the truth. I'm a truth seeker. And that's what we all should be, right? So, you say, wow, Dave, I mean, this is, uh, you know, there's a lot of gravity to this. So how, do we over, how, how can we overcome? Well, the Lord said that we should overcome. How, how do we become overcomers so that we, we can inherit all things and be included in the kingdom of God. There, there's not a more important, again, there's not a more important question in your life. And uh, yes, it's okay to be wealthy, but if, if your wealth has got you um, sucked up into a vacuum and leading you down the wrong road, it would be better that you were poor. 
And because there's nothing more important. Now, you can be wealthy and make it to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if your wealth has you, that's not the most important thing in your life. Are you prepared to meet Jesus Christ when He returns? Revelation 12, 11, uh, reveals, the Bible says, And they overcome him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. The blood of the Lamb is the Christian's, uh, it's your defense weapon. And there's nothing Satan can inflict upon us that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot eradicate. The word of our testimony is our offensive weapon. After an individual is saved, we can lead others to Christ by testifying to them about how Jesus saved us. The Bible says all have sinned. All were born in sin, shapen in iniquity. But yet we have been delivered from those things. There have been murderers, whoremongers, people living in the LGBTQIA plus lifestyle, uh, I mean, pedophiles that had been delivered from those things. Uh, people that were addicted to all kinds of horrible things. God has delivered, there, there have been people that have been delivered from those things and they can look to other people and say, look, I don't care what you've been through. God, look what God did for me. And He delivered for me and He forgave me of my sin. And then they went on to lead a Christian walk. That's of utmost importance. True repentance means to turn away from, God, I'm sorry for what I've done, and I'm not going to continue to lead that lifestyle. I'm walking away from that lifestyle, and I'm going to lead a Christian lifestyle from now on. Unto you, you will truly become the Lord of my life. The Bible says, Godly sorrow work with repentance. So I need to repent, and I need to be sorry for what I've done, but i got to make up in my mind, I'm turning away from all that. That is true repentance. Repentance is not just being sorry because you got caught, right? Repentance is, I'm not going to do it again. That's true repentance. So, then Jesus warned about uh, who would not be part of His kingdom. The first two conditions listed were the fearful and the unbelieving. I mean, once we place our faith in Jesus Christ and His salvation, we have no reason to fear. His Word tells us that we have not received a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Then Jesus specifically said all liars would have their part in the lake of fire. The reason liars are so severely condemned is that salvation is dependent upon belief of the truth. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, that because people receive not a love for the truth, they, they wouldn't be saved. So, as a God-called minister, if God calls you to preach the truth, you've got to preach the truth. You've got to receive a love for the truth. To be a Christian, I've got to receive a love for the truth of the Word of God, or I'm not going to be able to be saved. There are a lot of people trying to push God and the Bible out of society today, but that's the absolute worst thing that could happen. So I need God in every fiber of my being, and I need His Word in front of me every day, and I need to absorb that so I can be a true Christian and live for Him. It's of utmost importance. So we go on. The Bible says, I will show you the bride. The one escorting here, John here in Revelation 21 said, I will show you the bride. We come, we come to the central purpose 
of Revelation 29, or I'm sorry, 21 verses 9 through 10. Uh, the Bible says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me and he said, Come hither, John, and I will show you the bride. Now remember this, very, very important. Come hither, John, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, who's the bride? Ask yourself that really quick before I get into this. Come here, John, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. That's the church. Well, the Bible goes on to say, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. You understand what I'm saying here? Descending out of heaven from God. What was God showing John? His bride. When Jesus promised to show John the bride, the lamb's wife, he showed him the holy Jerusalem. You getting it? In the scripture, we have absolute proof the bride is that holy Jerusalem. The holy Jerusalem is the new Jerusalem. They're the same entity since the bride is called the new Jerusalem in verse 2. Remember? For the, re for the rest of Revelation 21, God describes the new Jerusalem. Remember, the new Jerusalem, it's the church. Therefore, we understand the descriptions about the new Jerusalem are descriptions about the church. All these things are revealed to us in symbols. Okay, now, with that said, let's get deep off into some of these descriptions here. And we're going to do this for the next couple segments here, because it's going to take a little time. Revelation 21, uh, so the, the, when we get to this uh, part right here, what do we got to touch on? The new Jerusalem has 12 gates. Let's just start there. Revelation 21, verse 11 through 12, describes the 12 gates of the new Jerusalem, having the glory of God, and her light was light uh, like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So it's interesting to note that the names of the twelve tribes of Israel are inscribed on the twelve gates of the New Jerusalem. What are we talking about here? The New Jerusalem is the church. Many people have wondered if the Old Testament saints will be included in the church and consequently in the rapture. Well, since the names of the twelve tribes of Israel are included in the New Jerusalem, then it's obvious that the Old Testament saints will be part of the church and go in the rapture. And additional proof is found in Luke 13, 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, you yourselves are thrust out. So if you've ever wondered, what happens to the Old Testament, uh, the ones that were saved in the Old Testament, what happens to them? When the rapture sounds, they're going to go with... The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. 
These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. You know, that's a question we get a lot. What happens to the Old Testament prophets and, and saints, people that were saved under the, during the different dispensations of the tabernacle and the temple plan and, and throughout the Old Testament that obeyed the plans of salvation during those different dispensations? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke 13, 28, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as all the prophets, will be in the kingdom of God. When the dead in Christ rise first, at the time of the rapture, they will all come out of their graves as well and be given immortal bodies. Just like my father-in-law who passed away two and a half years ago. He's going to come out with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about that. You never have thought it like that, have you? Well, look at uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 28. And there's other, there's other scriptures that tell us that as well. At the seventh trumpet, Revelation 11, 15 through uh, the rest of the chapter, it tells us that at the time of the Lord comes back, at the time of the rapture, He will come with His reward and it's given to the prophet and to the saints. So, it's pretty easy to, when you understand all these things, isn't it? really helps to unlock the book of Revelation and it becomes understandable. And that's the whole goal in all of this. Now, when we're describing the New Jerusalem here, right? What are we talking about? The church. It's a symbolic view of the church. The New Jerusalem has 12 foundations. Now, a lot of people would think, hey, this big building I'm sitting in, it's got a concrete foundation. They're thinking of these as 12 concrete foundations. This is symbolic, everybody. Revelation 21, 14 reveals the New Jerusalem has 12 foundations. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, this is very cool. This scripture explains the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb are inscribed in these 12 foundations. In addition, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are on the gates of the New Jerusalem. So what's this telling us? Well, the Apostle Paul referred to this back in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 20, when he said concerning the church and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. He's talking about the church here. 
So it's vital to realize Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. So um, I used to be in construction for decades. And when a cornerstone is laid in the, con the, um, in the construction of a, a, a big building, no matter, no matter how big the building it is, everything has to line up perfectly with that cornerstone. Well, this indicates that everything in the New Jerusalem, in the church, will be in perfect alignment with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 13 says, uh, We are to grow unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why it's important to stick right by the Word of God. Once you get off of the Word of God and start to compromise, then you get out of alignment with the chief cornerstone. And that's not going to look too good in the near future. The true church of Jesus Christ is in perfect alignment with God and His Word. Okay? The church aligns up with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about these measurements of the New Jerusalem. Well, remember, all of this is written in symbolism. The measurements of the New Jerusalem are given in Revelation 21, verses 15 and 16. Uh, the Bible says, And he, talk, he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and the measure, uh, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height thereof are equal. Now, many of you are thinking about this big cube, right? A big building that you saw. Wow, that would be big. 144,000. But since we have proven the New Jerusalem is not a physical city, it's obvious these measurements describing the city are symbolic. Now, we may not be able to fully explain all the numbers given here, but there are some interesting facts that we have to observe. The one with the measuring reed measured the length of the city as being 12,000 furlongs. He also said the width and the height of the city would be the same. Well, since the city has 12 foundations, and since the measurement of the city is 12,000 furlongs, it's interesting that 12 times 12,000 equals 144,000. We have to wonder if this could be related to the 144,000 Jews who were sealed in Revelation 7, 4, who are part of the church, remember. And that, we, that would be other Bible studies, but I mean, we've been through all that before. But it's, they're all part of the church. That's the, Revelation 7, the remnant of the Jews and those a multitude... Um, John saw a multitude no man can number out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation. That's the end time Jewish mixed, Jewish Gentile church mixed. Just like the early church was Jewish and Gentile mixed. So this number 144 appears again in Revelation 21, 17. It says, And he measured the wall thereof, and 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. So the person with John measured the wall of the New Jerusalem as 144 cubits. In Revelation 21, 18, John begins to describe the different materials making up the New Jerusalem. Remember, and I'm going to keep saying this, the New Jerusalem is a symbolic view of the church. 
Revelation 21, 18, And the building of the wall of it was like was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. Now, I know I'm messing with some of your theology, but just hold with me here. As a reminder, all of the descriptions of the New Jerusalem are symbolic. You've got to keep that in mind. Gold has a special characteristic which causes it not to tarnish. All those who make up the New Testament, or I should say the New Jerusalem, have been purified. Remember, we're talking about the church. Jesus said in Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness did not, do not appear, and appoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. So we're talking here, the Bible says that they will come forth as gold tried in the fire. We're talking about the church here, not physical gold. You say, oh Dave, I, I'm, I'm looking for a city to come down. <laughs> well, I'm looking for a city and I want to be part of that city because the city is the church. Now, we want to, we want to understand Revelation 19, 20, 21, and 22, right? It's very important. God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. So, we've got, what's next? Um, let's talk about the beauty of the apostolic ministry. Again, a symbolic view of the church. Revelation 21, verses um, 19 and 20. I think that's where we're at. Revelation 21, 19 through 20. It describes the beauty of the apostolic ministry in God's eyes. And the, the Bible says, And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth was sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth was topaz, and the tenth, a chrysoprasus, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. Now, we learned earlier the names of the twelve apostles were engraved in the twelve foundations of the New Jerusalem. Well, this passage reveals the twelve foundations are adorned with all manner of precious stones. So in Exodus um, 28, 15 through 21, when God gave Moses the design for the garments of the priest to wear, he commanded them to make a breastplate of judgment for each priest. If you go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem today, the Temple Mount Institute, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Temple Institute, which has the, the, um, a, an Ark of the Covenant, not the Ark of the Covenant, but a, a um, modern-day built Ark of the Covenant, and all the different implements that will be used in the Third Temple, on the priest garments there, they have this breastplate with all the jewels in it. Well, he uh, God told Moses to make a breastplate of judgment for each priest, and this breastplate was to contain 12 stones. The stones appear to be the same as those described in the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem. 
these stones were beautiful and emphasized the importance of the God-called ministry. E even today, it, when, you, when we're jumping forward from Moses all the way to the apostles and today, we're talking about a symbolic view of the church here. In Romans 10, 15, Paul said, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So the sacredness of the ministry is described in Hebrews 5, 6. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So the ministry, it's a very important role in the um, five positions in the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And even today, no individual can just choose to be a minister. Something many people do. I'll just go online and get my minister's license. But this vocation is only available to those God Himself calls. If you're a God-called minister, there is a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And believe me, you better teach the truth line upon line, precept upon precept. Because I don't want to be held accountable someday because I skipped a scripture here and there and I, oh, I don't want to talk about that because I may not want to offend somebody or this may hurt somebody's feelings or I know they're doing that lifestyle and I can't talk about that. The fact of the matter is, if you're a God-called minister, you're called to teach every verse in the Bible with love. You're not doing that to attack people. You teach every verse in love in an effort to get them to heaven, to get them a better relationship with God and a better relationship with their fellow man so they've got an opportunity to make it to heaven. So we share the Word of God in love, but without fear and favor as well. Now, there will be no temple in the new Jerusalem. Revelation 21 Verses 21 through 22 describes the New Jerusalem a little bit further. It says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every single gate was of one solid pearl. And the streets of the city were, uh, was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Folks, don't you want to be a part of the church, the new Jerusalem. And you do that by being born again and becoming a part of a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, living as a Christian, let God being the Lord of your life. And you can make it. Everyone listening to me has the power to make it. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, that, that's a key statement. Everyone listening to me today has the power, and that's your power of choice. You can choose to follow the Lord and let Him be the Lord of your life and be born again, or you can choose not to. The power is in your hands. Now, you don't have the power to save yourself. I mean, all of that comes from God and what He did on Calvary. The death, the burial, and resurrection, obeying the gospel. But you have the power of choice. God said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. And I, I'm, 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 I'm asking you today, have you chose life? Have you been born again? Are you prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ? It's the most important question you can answer in your life. And you should answer. If you don't know how to be born again, go to endtime.com reborn. And you can have, uh, it's all written right there, all of, the, all of the verses. There's not just one verse. that you got to go through the whole thing and make sure you've got everything done you need to do to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except him is born again, can't enter see the kingdom of God. So, to depict the glory of the church, it's portrayed as having streets of pure gold, as if they are transparent glass. Each gate is depicted as one solid pearl. Now, there is, again, this is symbolism here. No sun or moon is in the city. Revelation 21, verses 23 through 24, discloses additional information about another aspect of the New Jerusalem. It says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So this scripture reveals that Jesus is the light of the new Jerusalem. What are we talking about here? The new Jerusalem, it's the church. During his ministry, while on earth, Jesus proclaimed, I am the light of the world. That's uh, John 8, 12. And it should not surprise us that the Lamb is the light of the New Jerusalem. In verse 24, it declares the nations which are saved will walk in the light of the New Jerusalem. Revelation 5, 9 through, twin, uh, nine, um, Revelation 5, 9 through 10 reveals the saints will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ during His millennial reign. Well, this indicates that the church will provide light by teaching the principles of the kingdom of God to mortals who will be allowed to live upon the earth in the millennium. There will be peace on earth during the 1,000 years because the principles which Jesus taught will be the principles by which the whole world is governed. Now, then the question comes up, well, who are the nations which are saved and, and shall be taught to walk in the light? Well, this is referring back to Daniel 7, 12. 
which says the rest of the nations or the beasts which have their dominion taken away, but they will live on into the millennium for a season and a time. The nations that will be chosen to continue into the millennium will be decided by God Himself. I don't have the answer to that. That's up to God and His, and His sovereignty. I know that I have to be a part of the church. I'm not going to leave anything to chance here. So the gates of the New Jerusalem, they're never going to be shut. John continued to describe the aspects of the holy city in Revelation 21, verses 25 and 26. He said, And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, as a reminder, all of these aspects are descriptions of God's immortal church. When this verse says, The gates of it shall not be shut, remember the gates are symbolic. This means to, um, access to the immortal church will not be shut. When, when we, are, to, when we um, are told the nations will bring their glory and honor into the new Jerusalem, this appears to foretell the people of the world bring offerings unto the Lord at Jerusalem. And this is referred to in Zechariah 14, 16. And the Bible says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem at the time of the battle of Armageddon shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This scripture states everyone that remains of the nations which came against Jerusalem during the battle of Armageddon, then shall go up to worship the King, Jesus Christ, from year to year. And you know, it's difficult to forecast exactly how all of this will be enacted during the millennial reign. I mean, will, is there going to be airplanes uh, and other forms of modern transportation? I mean, we can't say for sure. But this we do know. Everything is going to be wonderful. And I want to be an immortal being ruling and reigning as kings and priests with Jesus Christ on the earth at that time. Now, John continues his description of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21-27. He says, And there shall be in no wise, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So he reiterates what was stated earlier in Revelation 21.8 concerning those who will not be allowed access into the holy city. And most importantly, he tells us who will be allowed inside the New Jerusalem. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How do you do that? Be born again. And this teaches us that the absolute essentiality of having our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Again, that's the most important thing to all of us. How do we get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Only by partaking of the salvation purchased by the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself named His plan of salvation being born again. He said to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now again, for a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation, being born again, call 1-800-363-8463 and ask for your free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? 
or you can simply go to endtime.com reborn. And you can go through a detailed version of that. And that's the most important thing, really, I could share with you today. I know I'm going through this uh, a comprehensive um, <clears throat> study here of, of Revelation, but uh, that's the most important thing. And so I want you to go there. It's free. You can go there and read it. And then if you need to do something, contact End Time Ministries, and uh, we'll help you facilitate that. Now, the most important decision in every person's life in order to, be, to prepare to enter the new Jerusalem is to be biblically born again. Just get it settled. Why wait? Do it today. If you need a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, contact End Time Ministries, 1-800-363-8463, and we'll find you a good church. We have sent, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people to good churches over the years. We have a huge database of truth teaching churches. I won't send you to just any church. I'm going to send you to a church that will absolutely teach you the truth. Okay? Now, living water in the New Jerusalem. John continues to describe the New Jerusalem in Revelation, where are we at now? 22, verse 1. The Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So when Jesus... Uh, you remember when he met the, the woman at the well in John 4, uh, down around, well, I don't know, maybe verse 10. He asked her for, for her to give him water to drink. Well, she asked him, uh, she questioned him for asking her for a drink since he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And he answered her in John 4, 10, and he said, um, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And he explained further about the living water. This would be uh, John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water is going to thirst again. The physical water that she's coming to draw water from the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. And Jesus also spoke of the living water on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in John 7, 37-39. The Bible says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus explicitly stated the living water was his Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost. As verse 39 explains, at the time he spoke of this living water, it was not yet given, because his Spirit only became available after he was glorified. And then Revelation 22.2 goes on to describe the tree of life which grew beside the river of life. And we first see the tree of life in the midst of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were created. And once they disobeyed God by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were forbidden from eating of the tree of life. Remember the story. And lest they should live forever. But to the saved who will dwell in the New Jerusalem in the church they will be given open access to the water of the life 
and of the tree of life. Isn't that awesome? I want to be a part of that. If God has something, I want, it to, I want Him to reign supreme in my life. I want to be a part of all of it. So the tree of life is described in Revelation 22 too. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded every fruit, uh, her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Notice the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is simply reminding us again that there will be no sickness, no pain, no death in the New Jerusalem. Revelation 22, 3-4 provides more information about the wonders of the New Jerusalem. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. So when this passage says there will be no more curse, it's because Jesus bore the curse for us. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now folks, isn't it of utmost importance? You can see through all of this. These things will come to pass. The marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, the rapture, the second coming, the battle of Armageddon, all of these different things, the millennial reign, and the great white throne judgment, and eternity. What's the most important thing we want to leave this study with? I've got to be born again. I've got to have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's the most important thing we could talk about. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. So, be born again today. Don't wait. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. I've got to be ready to meet the Lord. In the very near future, the clouds are going to split open and Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Revelation 1, every eye will behold Him. And He's going to send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather the elect. I want that to be me in that day.